3: Mit bis zu 16 Megapixel-Kamera. Mit vorinstallierter update news App, Mit Micro-SD-Card-Slot für extra Speicher. Und wasserfest bis zu eineinhalb Meter.
4: Absolut himmlisch. Als kompaktes Samsung Galaxy A3 oder großzügiges Galaxy A5. Jetzt im Handel und auf Samsung.de. Echt Galaxy? Echt anders.
2: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity.
5: Welcome to Male Military Spouse Radio Show, brought to you in part by the Military Guide to Financial Independence and Retirement and by Armed Forces Insurance. Here's your host, Dave
1: Eddard. Morning, Dave
0: hey so how goes it
1: it's going good california is nice
0: oh that's right you are in california i forgot all about that uh folks thank you for yeah. uh bearing with us and of course you know i'm talking to uh jeremy hilton was the who was was way back when 2012 armed forces insurance military spouse of the year the big kahuna and from that point on you just kind of skyrocketed in your and what you could and could not do. Um, what was it that you, you made as your platform when you were running for Military Spouse of the Year?
1: Well, thanks for having me first, Dave. I appreciate it. Too um, bad. Essentially, I mean, and I think this applies for a lot of the, the folks in that program, you know, a lot of what they do, you know, they bring to the program and the award is just kind of an acknowledgement of what they've already been doing. For me, it was related primarily to um, what's called the exceptional family member program or EFMP. I'd been working in that space for a couple of years, trying to get some legislation passed, was successful in a number of different ways. And, you know, trying to bring attention to that particular problem.
0: Now, EFMP, Exceptional Family Member Program, was in its infancy at the time, correct?
1: No, that's not true. EFMP has been around for the better part of 30 years. It's had various iterations. Sometimes it provides more support. Sometimes it provides less support depending on the service, depending on funding, depending on a whole host of things. I think it got started sometime in the early to mid-80s, long before I was around.
0: Wow, I was not aware of that because I was in, well, you and I are both submariners. Uh, We both are veterans. We we served our time under the ocean. Mine was, I, I got out before you got in but I sure don't remember anything about any kind of exceptional family member programs being put out to sailors at the time or to anybody.
1: Yep. No, I think that's probably right. I had the same exact experience. I did not know the program existed until our daughter was born and she had her, you know numerous medical issues. So I don't think that's, I, I do know they generally brief, commanders, you know, and senior enlisted as they're going through their pre-command type schools. I don't know how much information they get, honestly. I don't think it's always a lot or the type of information they need either. But I certainly agree with you that as a as a typical enlisted or typical officer, you're just not going to be affected or impacted by EFMP, though I think it's fair to say a lot of your your sailors will. Did I lose
0: you? Are you still there? I'm
1: okay. still here. Wasn't.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm. I, I, my. I'm trying to. Like I said, I'm. Do, I'm working this on my phone now because I had some uh, problems. I, I. I threw up a, a, a thing on the um, the internet into the other blog or the other uh, um, uh, radio show that I do, the Spouse Spouts, and because mm-hmm. I'm in Germany. Right now, uh, there was a, a, a picture that shows sausages being grilled in a, in a, a metal pan, uh, a metal skillet, and it says, German internet is the worst.
1: <laughs> yeah, I heard, that's, and then I heard the worst. I that's a true statement.
0: <laughs> uh, internet, as far as the internet is, is concerned, in Germany... The connection is the worst. Yeah. And it was a picture of sausages cooking in a frying pan. (laughs) Very good. It's it's a good, it's a cute one, I'll tell you. Um, I'm trying to get my computer back up because if I can do that, it'll be so much easier, so much better. I'm doing this from my phone, which means I am trying to settle with three bars.
1: When are you guys going to rotate not, back to the
0: state? Not till 2018. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah.
0: It's going to be a bit. I guess somebody that got looks you. like they're on hold waiting for us right now. Let's bring them in. Uh, area code 808. Who have I got on the, the show with us? This is
5: Jay. Jay? Hey, Jay. Is Jay. Jay is How's
0: it
3: going? Jay is in... Jay Howe? Yeah, I'm in Hawaii for right now. My sister's getting married.
0: Oh wow, the train. How you doing, buddy? Oh, what is
1: it, 5 a.m.? 6 A.M.?
3: It's five yeah, it's five AM. That's dedication. <laughs>
1: well Jay's been my
3: co yeah, host. I'm here. on my uh, and I'm on vacation, if you will. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna try something hey, real quick. Let you guys let you guys chat for a bit. I'm gonna try something. I'm yeah. gonna go off myself, but you guys keep talking. Jay, your wife is, is a doctor,
1: end?
3: right? Am I remembering that right? No, my wife is a is a HR officer for the Navy. Okay. My sister yeah. was a field medic. Got it. Well, do you have an, yeah, any questions? Yeah, uh, I I'm, I'm, I missed like the first ten minutes, so oh,
1: you I didn't miss much. Get my we were trying to get,
3: yeah, we were trying to get Dave online primarily. Oh, okay, okay. Well, do and, you have
4: any questions for me?
3: Absolutely. So, what's going on at Capitol Hill lately?
1: <sighs> well, it's kind of crazy up there right now, right? <laughs> the- yeah. The new Congress got sworn in in January. Um, so this is the 115th Congress. So every two years, it's a new Congress. Um, the, the Senate and House Armed Services Committees finalized all of their uh, individuals on, their, on the main committee and the subcommittees. And so from what I understand, and we've been trying to provide input specific to healthcare issues for kids and EFMP, uh they're starting the process for what will be the 2018 national defense authorization act i I don't know if you happened to see last week but in the senate armed services subcommittee for personnel they they hosted a hearing um so nmfa so there, there were actually two panels one where all the senior enlisted and they kind of, kind of gave their, their perspective on military family readiness. And then there was a second panel that was pretty interesting. It included uh, Blue Star Families, the National Military Family Association, and Stephanie Barna. Stephanie is a uh, assistant secretary, acting assistant secretary of defense for manpower and readiness, I think. Anyways, okay. you can go to the Senate Armed Services Committee, and I'd highly recommend anybody interested read particularly NMFA's test, written testimony. It's extensive and has a lot of information. If you, if you care about military family issues, care about health care, care about any of that type of stuff, uh, it's about a 37-page written testimony. It gives you an idea of how complicated these issues are, how complicated last year's defense bill uh, made things related to health care, but kind of gives a, an understanding of the space, the military family space as it relates to legislation and the and the issues we care about. Right, right. And you said it was 37-page written
4: testimony?
1: Yeah. I'll try to wow. pull it up and see if Dave, Dave can link it. It's, it's pretty – if you go to the uh, Senate Armed Services Committee – Arms, arm arm uh, dash services dot senate dot gov and you go to the hearings and it was on the fourth it was actually on Valentine's Day last week um, okay see I remember you linked up. that one the the event I, I couldn't Dave, make the sure event yeah I'll send the link to Dave and anybody who wants to maybe he can upload it and that makes it easier to find so I just sent it today so I'll let him upload it but within that hearing link. If you go down a bit, you'll see the different witnesses, which includes like Sergeant Major Daly, all the other senior enlisted folks. And at the very bottom, you'll see Joyce Fraser, who who's the kind of runs NMFA, and you can download her testimony. Um, and then again, it's 30 yeah, 37 pages. So that gives you an idea of all the different issues that military families kind of worry about and should be thinking about this year. And so, a lot of these issues have been around for a long time, frankly. Um, but they keep being brought up because they don't get solved. So,
3: Right. Because they only get
1: patched over. <laughs> if we're lucky, right? I mean, so. Right. Or, or completely ignored. <laughs> yeah, that, that happened. Or what's even worse sometimes is Congress passes something and DOD doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Which, you know, I didn't think that's the way government was supposed to work, but it does, in fact, sometimes work that way.
3: That's crazy, isn't it?
1: Well, you know. A lot of these uh,
3: issues keep coming up over and over and over again, and um, they don't get resolved. No. About- when they do meet with these subcommittees and things like that, do they actually not only provide issues, but do they try to provide solutions? So I think if you read NMFA's testimony, you'll
1: see that they do, in fact, provide solutions on a lot of different issues. And they, they provide credit to the Congress when the Congress does something right. For example, one of the things Congress passed in last, year, last year's defense bill related to medically necessary foods, which is an issue we've been pushing for a while, and they actually finally passed it. Now, it takes time for the Defense Health Agency to take that past bill and turn it into a regulation or a policy memo so that it's actually covered. But, you know, there are are solutions out there. To be honest with you, though, generally speaking, the things that get solved are when people nibble around the edges. And there are small things with um, relatively small you know, costs involved. Um, Some of the things that that really need to get fixed cost money and or require changes to legislation or just harder to accomplish. And so they generally, what what both Congress and DOD like to do is they like to study it more. And they're notorious for, Congress is notorious for passing, you know, dictating to say GAO, the General Accountability Office, we want you to study this, and it's usually they've already studied it, frankly. In fact, there was a study in the last year's Congress that we advocated for. But, you know, I, I just always wonder what will happen um, when those results come out. And it was a GAO study specifically related to the exceptional family member program. And we'll see what happens.
3: And the, the last one was at uh on valentine's day yep did you f- happen to find it give me luck but yeah unfortunately for me since i'm actually well we're stationed in guam everything that happens on on your end happens sure. like two o'clock three o'clock in the morning for me <laughs> 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 well, I'm i must asleep. so I told even you. this one right now so like today's uh, blog talk radio this show right here Although it's 5 o'clock in the morning Hawaii time, it'll actually be 1 o'clock in the morning Guam time, so I wouldn't have made it unless I was in Hawaii. Oh,
1: I I absolutely hear you, Um, and that's a problem, but I just put up the link to today's event on Dave's uh, page for the three people who are interested in going. (laughs) We may have a small crowd today. Anyway, so it's up now. The nice thing about that is they've gotten better in the House and the Senate about videotaping everything. And so you can actually watch the hearing after the fact. And that's, I think, pretty valuable for a lot of military members and their families who, as you well know, are on the other side of the world. Right.
3: And especially for those that are uh, overseas and they kind of really have their voices heard, if you will.
1: No, absolutely. And I think you're exactly right. Um, So that's why, you know, I think what Dave does and what um, some of the other types of things that we do, trying to get the word out far enough in advance so that people can react appropriately and plan um, just like you did today.
3: I know that's just not always
1: possible for a lot of folks.
3: Right. Well, five o'clock in the morning is a whole lot better than one (laughs) o'clock in the morning, you know, I can handle five. I can't really handle one. Cause I, I totally up, not. That's normally when the kids get up anyway. one. Well, I, I wake up, do the one, and, and do two hours and try to go back to sleep.
1: Right. <laughs> and then
3: wake up by, like, 4.30. It's, it's not going to happen. No, I hear you. How long? How much longer are you guys in Guam? Uh, we've got two more years in Guam. Uh, we're... Here in Hawaii because my sister's getting married and uh, we leave here in a couple more days. Uh, about oh, actually, another week. Because so it's what is Friday, Guam- I keep forgetting. Jay, what is Guam like? I've heard that's a great duty assignment.
1: Except for the island think, chief.
3: Um, well, me being from Hawaii, it feels like home. It's tropical island. Uh, tons of great sure. beaches, a uh, lot of uh, similar foods, uh, right. things like that. Uh, as for the the job wise in the military side it's <laughs> different each one you, you know what i mean so it's it depends on what you do and who you get and who's your commanding officer because it's just sure. any place else so gotcha. um there, there's there is a naval base guam on the south end of the island and then there's a anderson air force base which is on the north end of the island and in between right. there's a couple of uh, army detachments a couple of marine detachments uh there's Joint Region Marianas that oversees everything else, but uh, that and that's a Navy command, but it's XO, if you will, is the general for the Air Force Base. Gotcha. Are you working while you're out there? Uh, I'm working on a couple of projects that are, uh, you know, woodworking. That's about it. <laughs> no, um, I'm not gainfully employed. No, I got a couple of uh, projects that I'm actually working on working on. Um, Sure. to combat some uh, some things but I have to do a little bit more research and see if I can actually start it up over there. Got I am it. also the first vice president for the spouse club that's there so we're in the midst cool. of doing our next big event and <laughs> my phone keeps blowing up and I'm on vacation so I just turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with yeah.
0: that. I'm back guys sort of awesome.
1: You sound better than the only you reason I
0: well, I, I, I'm hoping. I'm crossing my fingers. Uh, it's it's it is the German internet that's messing with me, and it's got my computer in a tizzy. So <laughs> I'm having to do this from my phone.
3: Uh, I understand. I, well, I, I got a question for hey. you there, uh, Jeremy. Sure. Now, this this past uh, Valentine's Day, did they? Solved anything? Did did they cover anything uh, that affects our special needs families? Uh, There was just
1: one brief second by Senator Tillis where he kind of mentioned it almost in passing, but no, it really wasn't brought up. Um, I've reached out to some of those folks on that subcommittee staff just to try to make them aware of the issues. Um, And this will continue to do um, going forward as best we can. Um, But yeah, there was nothing particularly brought up. Again, if you read the testimony by NMFA, it talks about it in there. And so what you hope is that some of the staffers actually read the written testimony and take away from that written testimony, some action items. Um, But the actual hearing itself didn't really cover that particular issue, covered a lot of things related to the spouse unemployment, which is obviously still important. But, uh, you know, the, the hearing lasted maybe an hour. You just can't fit 37 pages of testimony and appropriate questions into one hour. It's impossible. And this is something we've always right. dealt with. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it's a lot of the times it's the professional staffers on the House and Senate Armed Services Committee who do the who actually do the hard work of taking input um, from other staffers, as well as from testimony like this, particularly that, that 37 pages is an example, and turning it into something legislative that means something.
3: Right. But the hearing themselves so aren't
1: so that helpful.
3: They'll still have to take what's said there and then turn it over to Congress and then Congress has to vote on it and Pass it, uh, make a law and then pass that in order for it to, to make a change, right?
1: Pretty much. And so what will happen is the House and Senate Armed Services Committees will create their own versions of the Defense Authorization Act, probably between about between now, really. They've been working on it already. And they'll probably roll those out sometime late May and all through this, they'll be having hearings to pr- get more input. Um, they'll roll out their versions in May, roughly speaking, maybe vote on them in June through as late as September. And then they'll have a conference committee to try to resolve any differences between yeah. the two versions of the bill. They'll pass the final bill, and then it'll go to the, con- uh, to the president for signature. But that doesn't usually happen until... I mean, the last couple of years, it hasn't happened almost until the end of the year. In fact, a couple of times, it went over the past the end of the year. Into the next fiscal year. Well,
0: that's normal. That, that's pretty much normal.
1: It's been the normal for the last couple of years. It's not historically normal, but it's definitely been the normal probably the last five or six years, something like that.
0: Now, is – if it – if. Is that because people are actually paying more attention to what's being said, or is it because it's it's nobody really wants to pay, nobody wants to deal with it?
1: You know, I'm sure it's different for different people. I think generally, so last year the problem was primarily a lot to do with the election, and so everything got pushed off until after the election. Um, The previous year, it's related to things like the government shutdown or sequestration. Um, it's, you know, Congress doesn't always do much until they're absolutely forced to do so. And so some things like this get pushed to the last possible second. And sometimes that's yeah. the only way compromise gets any, they don't ever compromise unless they absolutely have to. And so they wait until the last possible second.
0: Well, Uh, Let's take a a quick 30-second break here. Let's hear from our sponsor, Armed Forces Insurance, and then we'll get back into talking about the Military Family Readiness Program's uh, legislation that is up in front of Congress. So we'll be back in 30
4: seconds. When I'm on base, I'm known as Staff Sergeant Cooper, but at home, Daddy! Hi, Daddy, I'm known as Dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance to protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women call 1-800-633-2006 for a no obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you.
0: All right, we're back on Mayo male military spouse radio show number 78. We're talking with Jeremy Hilton. Who is a rock star, a, a, a shaker, and a mover amongst the exceptional family members? Um, co, uh, Tricare for Kids Coalition is one of the ones that uh, one of the, the the things that he has started. Um, and you're you're helping us families out by being able to be out there in front of Congress. You're you're willing to sit at the table. You're willing to talk in front of the subcommittees. You're willing to knock on those doors and make those those uh, legislators know what the heck is going on. Uh, Jay Howe is also in the room with us. He is the co-host for Male Military Spouse Radio Show. Welcome, Jay. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey,
1: Dave. Thank you. Appreciate
0: it. So, Je- uh, Jeremy, back to talking about dealing with uh, uh, Congress. Not necessarily... The, 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 the legislature that they've just uh, got finished talking about that you, you've sent us the information on, the single service member military family readiness programs, the subcommittee, the date on this that I clicked the link that you you put up onto the, the website for us, and it took us to a February 14th meeting. Um, you've got one coming up here real soon. Is that correct?
1: Well, that was
0: that was uh, ten days
1: ago. Ten days ago, what, do what you have you another?
0: That? Well, that's what I. That's what I'm. I'm between I, me, you, me, me, and you, between you, me, and the rest of our listeners. There's a lot of us that, when it comes to what happens in Congress short of listening to the election cycle and getting involved in with the, the, the politics and everything that the media throws out to us, most of the time, our minds, our eyes just glaze over when it comes to what does the Senate and what the House does. I mean, sure. we know that there are people out there that are they're willing to step up to the plate and talk for us. But I'm telling you what, I don't know what it is you say in front of them because I haven't been there. I don't know. I don't know what all it takes to me to me you 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 you're quarterbacking a football team that I'm happily standing in the stands cheering on but I have no idea what the plays are I have no idea what the what the goal is all I know is you either win for us or you don't so is there a way to is there a way to what's the word I'm looking for dumb it down to us what 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 are we what are we supposed to be doing what are we supposed to do to help you
1: i think that's a great question dave um it's a lot less complicated than it seems to be honest with you i'm nothing special related to this i just have learned as we've been stationed in the dc area and there's a there's obvious advantage to that fact in the sense that I can get the kids off in the morning, be on Capitol Hill by 10 or 11 o'clock. And I don't get to do that very often, but I can do it. And I can go have a meeting or two with different staffers and for, you know, for different committees for whatever purpose I'm working on. Um, but, you know, I'll be honest with you. It's not as hard as it seems. And so you guys in Germany, Jay and Guam, wherever you are, you still have folks that represent you in the Congress. Obviously, everybody has one representative and two senators, um, except the poor, poor bastards in D.C. Uh, but those, but those folks represent us. They work for us. They're and, supposed to. Well, they are supposed to, and I will tell you that they do respond because. And data will show will will help me illustrate this or data will back me up. The thing that politicians care about most is getting reelected right, wrong or indifferent. That's what they care about. And so their constituents matter a whole lot to them. And in fact, they listen to their constituents or they don't get reelected. Now, there's a whole host of issues related to gerrymandering and everything else that makes that not always work the way it's supposed to. But I will tell you, military families have the capability of saying, I'm a military family in Guam. Um, You represent me uh, or say maybe you you kept your your voter registration in Texas and you want to go talk to Senator, Senator Cruz or Senator Corner and say you represent me. I am having this issue. Right now, the, um, the president's hiring freeze is impacting my child care or the child care we receive on base. And I'm just using that as a recent example that's come up. And okay. generally speaking, they're going to listen because it benefits them. Um, and so, again, I would encourage everybody to know who those people are, know who their rep- representative is, know who their two senators are, You know, have their numbers on speed dial, find out who on the staff is their military legislative assistant. Some of the staffs have legislative fellows, which are generally, you know, one of the services, like an Army, Air Force, Navy, uh, Marine who is on the staff for a one-year fellowship who's lived this life with us. And their job is to listen to military families and hear the particular issues we've been dealing with and then respond. It doesn't always work that way, but it doesn't work perfectly. But I would much prefer everyone feel emboldened to take those steps. And it's the it's all of us talking with the same in the same direction that a lot of times impacts change. And a good example, I think, is related to what happened in 2013 with the Budget Control Act when they uh, it was a bipartisan It was Patty Murray in the Senate and uh, Paul Ryan in the House who came together and decided that it was appropriate to reduce um, retirements for military um, members. And the outcry from that was pretty intense, as many will remember, Um, and military spouses played a pretty key role in pushing the House and Senate to overturn those retirement cuts. So it works, particularly it works when we're all speaking with one voice. And I know some of the, some of the organizations like the MOAs, the NMFAs, the American Legion, et cetera, et cetera, they don't always work the way we want them to work, but they are probably amongst the best quarterbacks um, in the sense that I, I encourage people to be parts of those groups. And if you don't like what they're doing, you're a member, try to change, try to help them understand that they're not representing you either. Um, So I encourage people to join those groups and make a difference internally if they're not representing you, but those are the other folks. I'm, I'm one guy who, who does what he can, who, who does what he can to represent a particular part of the military families, kind of the EFMP or the special needs folks. Um, but on those bigger issues like pay and benefits largely, some of those other groups like MOA or NMFA or AUSA or you name them, they, they have a much bigger seat at the table than I do or any of us do individually because, you know, MOA represents something like 400,000 people. So good, bad well, or indifferent, that's, different. that's kind of the way it is.
0: That is true. That is true. But if you if you were if you're doing EFMP and you're doing for family members, you know, it, it, it affects all families. I, I even if you have nobody that's an exceptional family member in your household, if you are a military family, you still have to go through EFMP screening before you get a chance to go overseas. And sure, not that What you guys do there in making Congress hammer this out to make sense is going to eliminate problems that we experience here. And I'll give you a for instance, a very personal for instance, because this happened to me. I'm an old guy. Okay. So naturally, my health has matured, if you will. And as such i have and i'm overweight i am very much overweight i'm a very large guy so that the the possibilities of me having um constructive uh uh uh, uh, needing a cpap machine was very good um i I have a cpap i also Mm -hmm. am old that they monitor my blood pressure and they give me blood pressure medicine and I, they monitor my cholesterol and they give me cholesterol medicines. I've gone through a complete heart study. There is a lot of studies that have gone, gone on for me because of my age. Well, it just so happens that those are EMP flags. They're triggers. And they make the Exceptional Family Member Program kicking up well, quote-unquote, high speed, and thus damn near kept my wife from coming here to Germany. Because I'm old. Now, is this right or is this wrong? I don't think it was right in the slightest bit. I'm a family member. Why should that impact my wife's career? And it just pissed me the hell off. Who the fuck do they think they are to do that? And they, but they did, they did. And the reason they were giving, and it's valid, especially if you truly do have EFMP considerations within your family, can you get the correct care where you are going? Do they have the facilities to do so? But if that's the case, then EFMP should be triggered on every permanent change of station not just overseas because you could be going to one of those one of those installations that's out in the middle of nowhere or to get to the closest pcm that has any form of knowledge on asthma any form of knowledge on uh um on hemophilia, on whatever that whatever your kids have a problem with and you have to take time off to go do, if it's lo- more than 150 miles away, by God, EFMP should be able to say, hey, look, you might have problems with this. Don't send them out there into the middle of bumfuck Egypt. Send them to somewhere close enough that they can't have their family taken care of. Well,
1: but they they, let me just try to maybe they do now yeah so maybe they haven't in the past you know different services treat things differently one of the things that dod was told to do about six years ago was to standardize efmp across the services and i write about that if you want to connect with me on linkedin Um, i'm easy to find you can read about the different reforms that have taken place Um, they're supposed to have some standardization And but what a lot of folks don't understand is how broad EFMP really is. And so for all the things that you just mentioned, individuals are, in fact, supposed to be signing up for EFMP. And part of the part of the issue really has nothing to do with they don't I mean, they do care about you, Dave, but they don't care about you at the same time. Exactly. It becomes a, mo- exactly. Exactly. It, it's a money issue. I mean, it's a huge money issue. So, and this If
0: they happens, were uh, smart, they would have been smart. If they, if they, if the the military was smart, they would say, okay, look, great. We know ninety. Uh, you're ninety days out, or you're hundred twenty days out from uh, from your PCS. You better start your EFMP paperwork instead or out-processing, EFMP is the last thing done. And it's the well, one that usually needs the most time to set up.
1: And I can't speak to what happened, but it's not supposed to work that way. You're not even supposed to get orders cut until you get EFMP screened. Um, so at least in the Air Force, you typically, and there's issues with this too. So we've recent, we're gonna be PCSing that this summer. Um, and we had, before we can get orders cut, we have to get an assignment that has to get loaded. And then we have to go through the EFMP screening process before we can get the orders cut. I know different services do it slightly different ways, but um, we're still six months out and we've already been screened through EFMP. So I think because I know what I'm doing, I know the the lead time that's required, et cetera, et cetera. But I know that doesn't happen all the time. Um, And that's both, That's a a personnel issue as well as, frankly, a family issue. Because if you know that you're being seen by a specialist, you know, fairly regularly, you probably should be EFMP and you should have already signed up for EFMP. Um, And I know. So I think two people, there's there's two partners in this, right? The services and the military personnel. And to be frank with you, probably 30 percent of the force the military family's force in some form or fashion qualifies for EFMP. It's a huge number, you know, and yet probably only 10 to 15% are signed up. So what get what right. happens is they get screened um, for some reason. And somebody says, Oh, your kid's got asthma. Are you an EFMP? No. Oh, damn. <laughs> and then the paperwork has to get run through and it yes. many times holds up orders, um, and so I think there's 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 a couple of different parties to blame, including leadership, who when they hear now, that you know Aaron Smith has kids has asthma, needs to tell him, make sure you go sign up for EFMP now instead of waiting until you're about ready to PCS.
0: Or you've have one of the, or if you've got another thing to think about is is that if you you've got a kid that's a normal kid that goes out there and and uh, plays on the playground and jumps out of swings and things like that, and all of a sudden has a broken leg. Sure. Hey, that should put you on EFMP right there because, I mean, when it comes time to to fly to Okinawa, that might not work. It might You might have to go with a delay. And the only way you can do that is with a medical excuse, and the only way you're going to get a medical excuse is through EFMP because mm-hmm. then they're going to start paying attention to you. Yep. So, so, let's get let's get over to uh, how if there's something that we know is drastically wrong or something that the EFMP is not covering, how do we get Congress to fix that? Because that's where it gets fixed, right?
1: So it's that's it's more complicated than that. So imagine there's a sick kid, right, who has say cancer, and has a condition for which there's a, a medical device or a medicine that TRICARE doesn't cover, but Medicaid covers, which is not atypical. So that all those issues are covered by the Defense Health Agency and TRICARE. So that's, that's primarily what we work on within our TRICARE for Kids organization and I can give you lots of different examples, but that's so there's something this child needs that's to say covered by Medicaid, but not covered by TRICARE. And that's it's too complicated to really unless you really want to get into why. So, yes, that's where we go to Congress and say um, for X, Y and Z reason, it's inappropriate that um, this isn't covered by TRICARE. And here And a good example example is, say, ABA, which is Applied Behavioral Analysis, which is um, for treatment of kids who have autism. And we've been in a multi-year discussion, if you will, with both the Congress and DHA, the Defense Health Agency, attempting to make sure that's covered. It is covered now, um, but I'll just tell you it's a constant battle because of the way in which it's being administered right now. And we have to constantly work. Both with the Defense Health Agency and the Congress to make sure that the kids are getting the appropriate care they need. Now that that's totally different than EFMP, which is both which deals primarily with assignment relocations and family support. So we talked about assignment relocation and PCSing. Family support and case management looks a lot different on the non-medical side of the house compared to what we're talking about on the medical side of the house um and so those are i just want to make sure it's clear we, we kind of we exist our families in the fmp world exist in under kind of two hats the fmp side and the tricare side and i'll be honest with you those two sides don't always get along they don't always talk and so sometimes we we have to cajole them to do that um, a lot of that's still ongoing. Um, there's a lot still in play that needs to be worked on, and that's what we do.
0: Oh, somebody's at the door. Must be. Oh, it's Susan.
2: Can I say hello? Hi, to Susan. Me?
0: Good morning. I'm
2: Jeremy Hilton, and I had to call in because he is my other Jer-bear.
1: Good morning, Susan.
2: Good morning, Jeremy, my other Jeremy.
1: What's going on?
2: Well, I love what you're talking about. I just want to hear you, so I'm going to listen to you. Roger that. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting, but I'm learning from my my dear friend, and I always like to learn from you.
1: What are the questions you have, Dave? Well, uh, the other some more
0: questions I want to do is I want to talk about advocacy. You brought up in in, in a in a forum that we we are both in. Uh, about advocacy and I started getting a little riled up about advocacy, but I'm getting close to a point where I have to make a quick, I have to make a break for our sponsors. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that now, take a minute and a half and then we'll be right back and we'll talk about advocacy. Sound like a plan to you?
1: Yep.
5: All
0: right, we'll be back, minute and a half.
5: Is your current financial state keeping you up at night? Unsure how you can possibly save for retirement with such a tight budget? Well, one of today's sponsors is the Military Guide for Financial Independence and Retirement, written by Doug Nordman, and is available through your local library or for purchase on Amazon. (coughs) This book shows service members, veterans, and their families how to reach financial independence and retire on their terms, and, in my opinion, should be required reading for all man-spouses. There are no tricks or gimmicks, just thoughtful spending and a higher savings rate. Most military families can do this within 10 to 20 years, and a few have done it even faster. All of Doug's royalties are donated to military charities, so you know he's financially independent without your money. So, get your copy today from the library, or buy one at Amazon. The Military Guide to Financial Independence and Retirement, written by Doug Nordman. As Captain Barrett's wife, I'm known for my volunteer work, but at home...
4: Hey, you ate all the cookies. Wasn't me?
5: I'm known for my amazing chocolate chip cookies, and that's fine with me.
4: We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance. To protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women, call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you.
0: All right. Again, thanks to our sponsors for making male military spouse radio show happen, making it a reality. Military guide, easy to find on the internet. Armed Forces Insurance, easy to find on the internet. Ask him and find out any questions you have. We're talking with Jeremy Hilton, who is an advocate for military families, for military kids, especially families and kids that have special needs. He uh, is also a volunteer in his community and I'll tell you what, a heck of a shaker and a mover. He's one of my favorite people in the world. He's one of my my heroes, and we've got him on the show right now. Welcome, Jeremy.
1: Thanks for having me, Dave.
0: You bet. We've been talking for this last hour about some of your work that you've been doing here recently with Congress. You actually get to sit in front of Congress and are a shaker and a mover for the Exceptional Family Member Program and getting advocacy working. But that brings out an interesting question that I've always had. What is the difference between being an activist, a volunteer, and an advocate? There are specific differences. I feel there are, but I'm curious, what's your take on those three? What are their differences?
1: Okay, let me make sure I have this right. So, activists advocate and volunteer yes okay let me so it's
0: kind of like blindsiding you right
1: <laughs> you know I, i'm sure there's diff, dictionary definitions for these um i'll just say the volunteer obviously what i do is voluntary i wish i got paid for this i we can talk about that on military spouse unemployment, um, but what I do is voluntary uh, as an advocate. Um, I think of an advocate as someone who who takes a position and advance tries their best to advance it. And you know, military spouses, you know, you don't think about it, but there's been advocates in our community for decades. Um, you know, if you look back, child care used not to be available on military basis. Well, right. mostly military wives, to their credit, were, were the ones who made that happen 20 or 30 or however many years ago it was, and they advocated through the system. Um, volunteer, it, it can mean whatever you want it to mean. I, I don't know exactly. I mean, but activist, I think that can mean, you know, it's, generally speaking, Uh, an advocate as well, but it kind of has a different tone to it. An activist might be somebody who, um, is a little bit more strident in some, in some sense. Um, but it, it depends on the person, frankly. I mean, you can be all three of these at once. You can just be an activist. You can just protest as an example. Um, and that, you know, I'll be honest. I think that has a place as well. Um, But an advocate, generally speaking, is someone who tries to find a way to get a seat at the table and who represents people and tries to find a way to change stuff within the system, I'd say, versus an activist who, generally speaking, I think of as someone who tries to change the system from outside it. And again, I think they all have a place and a role. So with with that, that, your question, I'd love to hear what you think, Dave.
0: I'm pretty much in the same opinion, but I'm finding a lot of people that are doing advocacy are more properly uh, keyed into being an activist because they're, they're not actually pushing forward an agenda because a, an advocate doesn't have an agenda. An advocate makes sure that somebody's agenda does not impact a special interest that they believe in. Is my opinion, and uh, an activist can an activist can just go out there and and is, is temporary, very temporary, doing whatever it is that they they're they're um, making a loud noise about. An activist and an advocate are so close together, but an advocate doesn't necessarily make a lot of noise. They're not a high impact person. They're not carrying the signs and yelling on the street corners they're not they're not uh, uh, forcing issues they're making sure that they're watching and they're seeing an advocate watches and and but it doesn't do it for, for, for money uh, it, I don't even remember why I got all fired up about this stuff but I did oh my gosh
1: I did uh, can I, can, I, can, I, can I comment on your comment? Can I comment on your comment, Dave? Sure. So what I've seen being here for a bit now, and this is the longest we've been here of any position while we've been in the air. My wife has been in the Air Force. I think it's you could also look at it as a spectrum. No pun intended for, you know, that's talked about a lot in the autism world. But you have advocates who need a seat at the table, and you have folks who are part of the general public who might be considered activists who don't always know exactly the issues or aren't always involved. And then you also have a great middle ground of individuals who kind of do both, frankly who work the grass? So we saw this a lot when we were working with our, what we've called the Keep Your Promise initiative related to that, those military retirement cuts I talked about earlier. Um, and we had something like 16 different groups as part of that initiative. And some of them were part of what I call the grassroots. And some of them were part of what I might call more the institutional advocacy forms. And, you know, the MOAs or the NMFAs, while some of them, generally speaking, were the ones kind of beating the drum, trying, and they were good at it, too, frankly. And these were younger organizations, maybe with fewer people involved, but who had the ability to, um, to activate the grassroots perhaps better than some of the larger military service organizations.
3: So, volunteer, activist, and advocate, yeah? Yep. From my my standpoint, the volunteer may or may not be involved with the groups that they're volunteering for, because they might not have any connection to them beyond just volunteering. Sure. The activists are the people who execute a lot of the activities. They go out there, they do beat the drum, but not necessarily for a specific purpose. They're the guys who go out there and get the, all the people together to protest. It, they, they help and push that side of the issue along, but they don't necessarily have a seat at the table. They just do. Whereas the advocates, everything they do is about the cause. Everything they do is about their group, their, uh, cause, their agenda. They're always pushing for that. They're always standing up for, for what they believe in. So that's my definitions of the three.
0: And I look at it also as a, the advocate. The advocate is like, like you're an advocate for, uh, you're an advocate for us. You're in a position where you yeah, can yeah. actually get in front of the people. Whereas you know, I, I'm stuck in Germany. I can't do much of anything except stand back and watch. Um, with this show with this show i am able to be an activist if you will but that's that's the nature of a radio show you i have the ability to both be the devil and the the, the solution i can i can i can be nice to you i can be mean to you you're at my mercy uh, as as the show host so that makes that would put me qualified as an advocate so I will bring, I'm sorry, as an activist, I will bring on advocates, and then the volunteer would be somebody who sits back and pushes the buttons for me.
3: And sense, yes, but then you're also um, an advocate as well, because what right. you do, you advocate for the male military spouse. Absolutely, yeah. I'm talking about Dave. And so yeah, you're not only an activist, you're also an advocate just from that angle.
0: Yes, so I, I have fun with it, and, and, but the, the point is you can be, can you be an advocate and get paid for it? Yeah,
3: sure. Yes, you just got to find or the right organization.
0: Have, or do you have to worry about what the organization's um, bottom line is, what, the, ad, what the, 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 the organization's mission statement is and don't cross that.
1: Well, I mean, that doesn't mean they're not advocates, paid advocates. So, for example, if you work for MOA, they have probably, I think large, yeah, the largest group of lobbyists um, that that advocate for, for military families, both officer and enlisted. But what they care about is actually whatever the group as a total comes up with, as they're listed, the things they care about. So yeah, their their board of directors or whoever runs that organization, based off of input from their membership, decides what those lobbyists are going to care about. Um, and they have a, and that's their job. So I mean, I have more freedom as right now as an unpaid advocate, frankly, than I would if I were working on staff at a place like Moa. Doesn't mean I can't find ways to advocate for similar things, but yes, in fact, if I step over a certain line that go that's that is out of line with what Moa's underlying position is, I will get called on it and either reprimanded or fired. <laughs> I mean, it's just true, yeah. right? Is what it is.
0: So true. Even even volunteers can end up being turned around and said, told that they you know. We really appreciate all the help you have given us, but we're good now and you can go home and relax. And they're firing
1: absolutely. you. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and that's frankly their yeah, product.
3: They can't fire you because you're a volunteer, but yeah. You no longer Yeah, they, can tell you, you that,
0: yeah, they right. can tell you I'm no longer gonna sign your piece of paper saying you served so many
3: hours. So true i mean like you said they can kind of basically send you home but they can't fire you because firing stipulates that you actually had a a paying job
0: and sometimes i wish i did
1: (laughs) same here plenty of plenty of times i wish i did i want to there's been many a days dave where i thought just need to go with my reactor license and go back and play around with nuke stuff right
0: That would be awesome. I want to go back back on a submarine because I was was navigation. I could tell officers where to go and how to get there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I remember that. The quartermaster. Yes, sir. That
0: was me. I was QMC.
1: Yeah, that was one of the things. You never screwed with the the quartermaster. Just don't do it. It would ruin your day. (laughs) That's right.
0: And we always knew where the closest ground was, too. We knew where the closest <laughs> land was. Nobody nobody ever realized that the closest land was like basically a half mile away. They all go scratch sure. their head, like, what do you mean? We're in the middle of the ocean. I said, Yeah. But the closest land is half a mile away. <laughs> Straight down. So wanna go visit? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so what do you have on the agenda that's coming up that you're going to be able to do with for us, for the um, military families?
1: So that's obviously a complicated question. but Because right now, the new administration, obviously things are in a bit of an uproar. Um, but a lot of the things related to this year's defense bill continue on. Um within that framework, I'd still encourage military families, military spouses specifically, to take the time to reach out to their elected representatives. And whatever is on their agenda, whatever is on their individual agenda, feel free to write that elected representative and tell them what they think. I, I don't care what it's about. Um, whatever is important to them. You bring you out a very to, interesting bring out a
0: very interesting question and, and, and an observation that uh, this is this is a time in history where I'm just I'm, I am so excited I'm all a Twitter if you will <laughs> not not relaying and relying on Twitter itself as a as a viable social media I think Twitter Twitter is annoying but and not a nod to our current Uh, President, but with that in mind, here we are with a Congress that is having to fight a non-political commander in chief, somebody who is business-oriented, not political-oriented, and thus they're having to instead. Are they? Did, are they still struggling with the possibility that they have to rewrite how they do things to a non-political stance and having to get away from political politics as usual?
4: No, and especially, I you, think- especially
0: advocates and, and lobbyists, you're, you're, you're going to be pushing through to your usual partisan people. Cause I mean, it's going to be a, a Republican or a Democrat, that's going to be sitting in the seat that you want to try and convince what you need them to know. And so you're having to deal with the politics and the the, the way discussions are done and the way uh, the, the protocol that's involved and and how you, you know, it has to be done a certain way because otherwise it just gets rejected outright. But they're having to really look and we know, redefine how they put things together so that when they submit it up to to the executive, the executive branch is now you know something that they're not familiar with.
1: Yeah, I think that I think it remains to be seen how that's all going to play out. I don't think things fundamentally within the legislator, legislative branch have changed as much as we might think um, primarily because it, well, at least for military family issues, a lot of the things that were in the last Congress still exist. This bill, which is the primary bill that most things that relate to military families, the national defense authorization act is still going through the same committees that went through last year. Um, I anticipate, that all happening fairly similarly, um, and at the end of the year, that we'll still have a bill, and the president most likely will sign that. The differences are going to be related to um, what do Senate Democrats in particular do to, I won't say, how do they react to this this um, current situation, which I don't think we know. But this particular bill is, I think, on its 52nd or 53rd year of passage. So it's not like they've never not passed this bill in 52 or 53 years. So I I anticipate it passing like normal. And the fact that the House, the Senate and the presidency are all the same party, I think makes that more likely to happen than last year.
0: I think you may have something there, uh, but I'm I'm not. I just kind of wonder whether or not the the, considering the current president, President Trump, as a Republican. I think that just happens to be the horse he decided to ride into the office on. I think he's far from anything.
1: Well, I I think I think most of the people. I think his cabinet. I think most of the people around him. um, And I the the question you have might in fact relate to other issues, I don't think that's gonna happen on defense related issues. I could be wrong, but that's my opinion.
2: Hmm.
0: Interesting. Hey um can we shift gears here for a second? Absolutely. I would I would love to hear more about TRICARE for kids.
1: Well, I put a link up on your event site that takes you to our, our website. Um, Track care for kids is really simple. It's trackcareforkids.org. This is a group that I helped start in 2013, after passage of a part of the defense bill, where essentially the bill, the, that part of the bill asked DOD to take a look specifically at pediatric health care. And it wasn't just special needs pediatric health care, it was the broad spectrum of pediatrics in the military and the manner in which the military provided that health care. And I'll just, I'll remind you, we have something like two million children in the military health system. Um, It's not a number to be sneezed at, quite a number. Um, TRICARE, as the name implies, looks a lot, it looks very similar to what Medicare looks like. In fact, it's based off Medicare. Um, And this is something we try to help people understand all the time. Medicare is for who? It's for senior adults over the age of 65. And so a lot of the things that are in place that TRICARE is based off of relates to the provision of of healthcare for 65 and older folks. It's perfectly fine. The problem is it's not always appropriate for the pediatric population. And so that study came out in 2014. Uh, it's linked on our website if anybody's actually interested in reading it. We responded to that study. We don't think they did a very particular. The, the conclusion was from the DOD study was that DOD provides appropriate healthcare and that's what you see if you read the executive summary. What you then don't read is the, the rest of the report where it details all the manner in which DOD has no idea if it's providing appropriate pediatric healthcare for our military families. And so you'll see I'm some of that in our,
0: go ahead. That's what I was about to say about to comment on is appropriate in military, military speak means um, we don't see anything that sticks out like a sore thumb, so we're not going to review it further.
1: Well, and we've been pushing them constantly with some fairly heavy hitters within our group, folks like the American Academy of Pediatrics, the, the Children's, uh, Children's Hospital Association, your typical MSOs like MOA and NMFA, some other ones like the Military Special Needs Network. What we've been doing the past number of years is trying to push them in the direction we think they need to go. Um, and to give you just kind of one example, relates to what is what is medically necessary. And that is a key question um, for something Susan's worked on for a number of years. Um, and her example relates to cranial helmets. And there's a whole host of other examples. So what's happening in the civilian space for pediatrics looks sometimes a lot different than what's happening in the military space. And a lot of it relates to this definition of what is medically necessary. And TRICARE has this test that they apply to say a new medical, either a medical device or a medicine or a therapy. And they say, is this medically necessary? Is there enough evidence out there to suggest that this is in fact a medically necessary thing Because if it's not, tracker won't pay for it. Um, And so the problem with that, and folks like the American Academy of Pediatrics, who are really the experts on this issue, have again and again pointed out that the type of evidence that you might have for a 70-year-old, for a whole host of reasons, including ethical concerns, you're never going to have that type of evidence for the pediatric population. And so right. sometimes you need to think about the provision of care for PDU differently than you need to think about for your grandfather. And so we consistently try to push them in the direction of making sure that they're thinking about that. Is there statutory legislative requirements to fix that? And how is it going to work when it hits the deck plate level? Um, and that's what well, track for kids does. Isn't
0: there a problem existing with the fact that, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but TRICARE as TRICARE is military only. It's only available to military families. It's only available it's uh, to military retirees, etc. cetera. You have to have a military connection in order to get TRICARE. So maybe what they're relying on, because I'm failing to hear something that I suspect they, they may be landing on, but have somehow forgotten to put it into the verbiage that military, if, it, if it's military-based, they have to rely on, they have to at first think about where it, stand, where it sits, where it stands with the military. And maybe with them saying that that it's it's not required, that it's not a problem, they're not looking at the fact that that it, We're talking our kids. We're talking the kids' futures. We're talking about how our kids are going to be affected in the long run. Uh, if it's military-oriented, obviously you have to think mission-oriented. Does that affect the mission directly? No, it does not affect the mission directly. But they should never, ever, ever have decided that the military families were important if that's what they were going to stand on because the second they started saying the military family is important, that if we keep the military family happy, the military member can stay more mission-oriented than anything that involves the family, anything that would involve how that family develops. If you can make it better, then you should be doing so so that the, fa- the military member does not have to worry about these. Not so does it affect the military straight on. Bullshit, So, you know, and that's what I'm I'm
1: reading between the lines there. Well, let's let's read between the lines a little bit more, right? So some of these things that, for example, that are being paid for by Medicaid right now or for in commercial health plans for a whole host of reasons, guess what? They cost money. That's for some of these things, the bottom line, right? Um, And TRICARE is going to always stand on the side of, well, if they have statutory authority to say, yes, we can pay for this or not, my gut tells me, then they look at the cost associated with that. They're going to lean towards, well, we can't do that because we we don't have the statutory authority. They're not going to say, well, we can't provide your kid therapy because we don't have the money. Right. So they're going to lean on what gets them out of jail, so to speak, easier than saying we just can't afford that. Um, So I think that's part of this as well. I I just the other kind of thing is truly, um, you know, the the mission of the military health system is twofold. And, And, you know, Jay's actually sending me a note to help me remember it. But it's really true. You know, the primary mission is, in fact, military members. And making sure they are, in fact, ready to go. Um, I went to a Defense Health Board meeting two weeks ago, and they were reviewing the $30 billion that DOD has a piece of every year related to med- the medical research program. $30 billion. You know how much of that relates to pediatrics? Practically none, like 000%. Zero, zero, zero Right, and so wow. that's their the primary mission for DOD is to make sure that we have folks downrange who are healthy and ready to go. So they have this dual mission. The other piece of that puzzle is the fact that beneficiaries are military retirees, military families, military kids. Right, and you're exact, You are exactly right. I think what's forgotten a lot of times related to this, and I posted a, a Huffington Post piece on the event page. Um, An article I wrote where it talks about military kids are the force of the future. And it also relates to the fact that so many, something like 30 percent of the incoming classes in the recruit cycle are military brats. And so it's also a readiness issue in the sense that for good, bad or indifferent, it just is the way it is. military kid today is a military member tomorrow, so it's really pretty critical that we're actually getting them the health care they need when they're five years old because a lot of those kids are going to end up being hopefully healthy kids who can actually serve our country.
0: I've got my son is getting ready too. As soon as he graduates high school next year, he's going to join the Navy. And I'm I'm, I'm proud of him for Picking the Navy, but <laughs> is but, uh, the 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 fact is, is that you know, uh, he's been he's a healthy kid, and, and I've been very 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 fortunate. I've had not I have not needed to take him in for much of anything, except physicals for Boy Scouts, and he passes with flying colors. So you know that's been good. But other than that, um, I cannot I cannot fathom the, the problems that EFMP families experience other than the fact that I'm an EFMP person because of my my uh, needing a CPAP, which I think is stupid. I really think it's stupid. I have received no nothing at all, period, whatsoever, since I've been here dealing with my CPAP, nothing, zero, zilch, nothing's happened. So yeah. why am I even in the program? But I know that there are people who need it from almost on a daily basis. And those families, I cannot, I cannot fathom how that service member is making it and being mission, uh, uh, thinking mission first, instead of thinking about his family because of the EFMP needs and the fact that EFMP is broken. I, I can't fathom how he or she is doing their jobs.
1: Well, that day I'll just say that's the exact point that we continuously try to make and why we continuously push in our advocacy world for improved services. Um, there's a whole host of things that I think should be done. I've talked about it six ways to Sunday. Some of the things have been improved. Some of the things are a long ways from being where they need to be. Um, a good example that I think makes a big difference that still needs to be improved is respite care. Each of the services provides different types and different ways of respite care. Um, but a lot of that looks differently for, mili- for military families than it does in the civilian world where they have access to state resources that our military families don't, um, primarily because they're military families. Um, I can talk more about that if you like, but we've been working from from day one to try to improve services for these families for the exact reason that you cite so that the service member can do his job um, and make sure that these families are taken care of. Respite care is a great example. Um, there's other examples related to things like when we PCS in the sense that case management ought to be in place before and after the individuals are PCSing so that it's a warm handoff. You know, I think just to be honest with you, the Marine Corps does that right now pretty well. I know there's obviously always going to be problems, but what they've put in place works pretty well. Um, On the other end of that spectrum, and we continuously work on this, I I still don't think the Air Force is up to snuff. Um, there's a long history there. Back in 2009, I and, I wrote a, an IG complaint and was successful related to the Air Force's EFMP program, and we continue to push them to improve. Uh, one of the very last things that the Secretary of the Air Force did right before she left related to some advocacy work the number of us um, provided input for was uh, in, increasing the number of hours that the Air Force EFMP families had access to respite care to bring it up to par to the, what the Army was providing um, and what the Marine Corps has provided for a number of years. That's, you know, you're, you're exactly right, and there's just a lot more work left to do.
0: Now, is there – you know what I would like to do in the, the, on the last half hour of the show here? I would like to discuss with you how somebody could become – a, an advocate, how, what it takes because you, you've been doing this since 2012 and you have made a, a massive amount of excellent headway and I'm sure you have encountered tons of roadblocks. I'd like to have a map of how somebody can, can get to what you're doing now, how to do it. And, and maybe get, avoid a couple of pitfalls and shortcomings and and short and problems that have, have happened to you. Uh, we'll be back in 30 seconds and cover that, if that's okay with you, Jeremy.
1: Absolutely. All right,
0: back 30 seconds.
5: As Captain Barrett's wife, I'm known for my volunteer work. But at
4: home... Hey, you ate all the cookies. Wasn't me? I'm known for my amazing chocolate chip cookies. And that's fine with me. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance. To protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women, call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you.
0: All right, we're back on Male Military Spouse Radio Show number 78. We're conversing with Jeremy Hilton, who is an advocate for military families? He's been helping out with getting, making progress with keeping the armed forces subcommittees uh, steered in the right direction to make sure our EFMP kids and other family members are being seen to. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thank you for visiting with us. Um, hope this isn't isn't sound like we're beating dead horses.
1: That's okay. I don't mind. I do that pretty much every day. It feels like. <laughs> uh, we also
0: have on the phone with us Who I believe have their, their microphones muted And are just listening in Jay Howe, my co-host, is also on the show And Susan Reynolds Who has helped Jeremy Hello. out on a lot of MP things uh, Hi guys um, Jeremy, 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 Jeremy <laughs> you're, you're doing stuff with Congress You're actually getting seats in front of them How did you do that, dude?
1: Well, you know, I probably (laughs) just kind of, I honestly kind of fell into it in the sense that, so previous to us landing here in the D.C. area, we had moved, we had been through two deployments, 10 months or 11 months in Alabama and two or three other PCS moves. You know, we moved around a lot. And all I did for the first five or six years of my daughter's life, who's the one who has our medical issues in our family, the primary one, um, I, it was my, my job was to take care of her. I mean, all I did was therapy right. and doctor's appointments and take care of the household pretty much on a daily basis. Um, I got here, and we had our last house surgery. Hunt. Yeah, house hunting, everything else that relates to that. We landed here in the D.C. area, and my daughter entered kindergarten and I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's amazing. Uh, (laughs) Or maybe it was first grade. I can't remember, but uh, I found myself with what I thought was an interesting history. um, Realizing that there were significant gaps in the system based off the previous five or six years of my moving around and experiencing the military life that we did. And I thought, you know, Coming from the Navy, and you probably remember this, Dave, you know, um, best practices and lessons learned, especially in Rickover's Navy, are pretty critical types of things. And the only way you, you know, you have to do a hot wash a lot of times to take a close look at what's wrong with the system, and you have to be kind of honest and open about the problems. Um, And I was kind of shine a light on what I experienced in the previous five or six years And I set out to do that. And the first way I did that was um, getting on the coattails of others who had been here previously in the D.C. area. And, for example, uh, Karen Driscoll, who is another military, they're now retired. She happened to be in the D.C. area at the time, working on a lot of the same issue. And she already had all these contacts. And somehow or another, I got connected with her And one time or another, she said, hey, Jeremy, would you like to go up to the hill with me and talk to some staffers? And I said, yeah, if you can make it between 10 and 2, which was my window for getting anything done on most days. um, Yeah, I'd love to do that. And so I did. And I saw how she did things. Um, We went to a number of meetings um, and I said, you know what? I can do this. This really isn't this hard. Frankly, a lot of the people you're talking to on the Hill, uh, the staffers particularly, and and the members too, they don't know what they don't know. It's not – half the time it's not their fault. But they, generally speaking, are interested when you come into their office and say you have a problem. Um, Susan can speak to this too. She's done this a lot. Um, They want to hear from you. It should not be as intimidating as it sounds because it's really not. Half the time you're talking to people that could be your children. You know, I'm I'm like you, Dave. I'm older, right? I mean, you'd be amazed at who runs our government. It's usually 24-year-olds, and these are very smart yeah. people. They just don't necessarily have the life experiences that we all do, um, and no, they they're don't. made better. And the, yeah, and, and the policy is made better by us going up there.
0: I've seen that when I've you know that that at Congress you or in in the Washington D.C. area, and the only time I've been there was last year for the M.S.O.I. stuff, was that everybody is young, but they all are so focused. They feel a mission. They're they're wanting to make a difference, and they know that it may be just typing paragraphs or or writing the rewriting this this particular uh, uh, speech or or fixing this this piece of equipment or whatever is necessary it just there's all these people swarming around taking care of things it's like a it's like a, a beehive and every single senator or representative is like the queen bee of their little hive so yes I, you have to you have to figure out which one of those those worker bees are the ones that, that deal with what you need done. And if you've got it in good with them, you probably will make headway with that congressman, correct?
1: No, it's absolutely true. And in fact, I mean, you have to think about different committees. You have to think about different caucuses. For example, there is a military family congressional caucus, right? There is one of the, one of the co-chairs for that is uh, Kathy McMorris-Rogers. Guess what? She's also uh, her husband's retired military. They have a son who has Down syndrome. That's been one of the one of the the types of people that you when you have an issue like I do, you try to search them out because there's an obvious connection there. And you try to encourage that that staffer and that congressperson to take on your issue because they have a invested interest in, in both understanding your issue and doing something about it um and that's what i'll be honest professional lobbyists do this all day long and they have tons of money to do it um and they're paid really really well to do it um we don't as a military group military families i would suggest don't have that same type of money behind us because we're not industry what do we have we have our stories though and whatever you think good bad or indifferent again Military families have a bit of cachet and a bit of credibility on the hill. So if you go up there as a military family member, they don't they don't, a, don't know what your life is like, generally speaking, unless you're talking to a defense fellow. But I think they feel under some rightful obligation to listen to what you have to say. So we as military families should take advantage of that. Take advantage of it. Make it happen. Go up there. when. When you come to visit, make sure you visit your congressperson. Tell, Tell them about, about your life. To. Tell them about your needs. Yeah. You'll be here in a couple of months, won't you, Dave?
0: I will be. I'll be there in May. Um, we've got a lot going on. As a matter of fact, uh, I really hope you can make it to the um, Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year Town Hall and join me at my table and, and participate with us. Uh, or even for the reveal on Friday the 12th or the actual reveal, I'll save you a seat at the army table.
1: I appreciate that, Dave. We'll uh, see how our PCS is going. Well, I,
0: I sure hope you make it Um, back to, (laughs) back to getting into Congress and then talking to them. Let's say, let's say uh, I was going to be there for, let's say I, I, I live stateside. We're, you know, we're, we're at whatever base we're at, probably San Antonio. I'm going to find myself in Washington, D.C. for visiting for whatever purpose. How do I go about getting an opportunity to meet with my senators, with my representatives? How do I do that?
1: I mean, you literally can go on the Senate or House website. They have phone numbers for each individual office. And you call them up and say, I am Dave Etter. I live in your congressional district. I'm a military family. I would love to come meet with you or your staff and talk when I'll be in D.C. for these given dates. Now, just to be be honest, the person who answers the phone. They'll generally speaking, hook you up with either their own. They'll be able to schedule you an appointment. Or the schedule, so every office has a scheduler, and that person should be able to help you with figure out a slot that you could insert yourself into the representative or senator's schedule. And I'll be honest with you, as you well know, there are long stretches in which they aren't in town, so they may not be here for you to meet with them. It just depends.
2: Well, first of all, I owe you um, a huge debt of gratitude and a big thank you because of a phone call that you made for me, which is how I was introduced to TRICARE for Kids and how I got introduced to being on the Hill. And um, and I think it's fun. Okay, like I have a good time, but I'm always cracking jokes and like sliding in good information and... You know, and I, I, I disarm them with humor, so whatever, like, it's like I welcome them in, like, you know, like the Wicked Witch with her gingerbread house, right? And I'm like, come into my house. That's made from candy. You're going to love it in here. It's great. Now I've got you trapped. Oh, you, yeah. also,
1: bring, you also bring in, which I think is brilliant.
2: Man. Oh, yeah. I, I always bring Ian, And I got to tell you something, watching Ian hand his shoes over to a senator once was hysterically funny he's like these are my well, shoes and he walked off and i was like they, okay. they, can't, <laughs> they can't handle
1: staffers yeah. and you know, folks they can't when you bring your kids they're almost obligated to talk to you you know oh, so yeah. that's they all totally, a good, good idea.
2: they totally <laughs> freak out they totally freak out so i bring ian because i want them to see like this is to me it's very important as as his mother but as the person who is advocating for my child who is young and does not have much of a voice at this point, despite how much he talks, um, I think it's important that they see who I'm advocating for, that they know that what I'm advocating for is not this this concept that lives down in Fayetteville and is home with his grandparents or his dad at the moment, that he is an actual person, that his health care and his mental health care matter. And that we have to have access to it, and so I I like to make it as real and as raw and as vulnerable as possible.
1: No, I think that's actually brilliant. And the other thing is, you know, these staffers, and you'll see it. So I'll I'll come into an office, and behind me will come, you know, twenty lobbyists. Oh, okay. So on a a (laughs) daily basis, these. And nothing against lobbyists, they have a job to do, right? That's Whatever. Your job.
2: That's fine. Yeah.
1: But so these staffers and the and the folks on the hill, the reps and senators, they can maybe go a whole day without seeing quote unquote real people. And yeah. so you come in there and they ask you for your business card, and you're like, Uh, I don't have a business card, I'm just a military family member. They're yeah. liable to be like, Oh my god, a real person. This is amazing. Yeah. You know, can we get the senator in here? We have a constituent. You
2: know, yeah. So exactly. you don't want to? Became... Oh, so, I'm sorry, Dave.
0: Oh, you're fine. That, but uh, yeah, are you serious? You don't want to have a business card because they might just look at you as just another lobbyist?
1: It, it, well, I'm just simply saying most military families don't have business cards, right? Yeah. I
2: mean,
1: yeah. I mean, I never do. I don't bother with it. I mean, generally speaking, I knew who I'm visiting with already. And they have my contact information, but you right. wait, the, the words out of the person's mouth when you walk in the door is Do you have a business card. I mean, literally every office asks that, and then you're like, "Um no, I don't have a business card." I think they look at you like, "Huh, who is this person?" It, it, I think it just they, they, they all of a sudden wonder what what unique individual took the time out of well, his or her day while visiting d c to come yeah. visit our office?"
0: Well, that's brilliant. You break them out of their break them out of their routine. So let's get back to let's get back to the subject at hand. Then um, let's say I want to be in front of the Senate subcommittee. Who do I talk to at my congress Congressman's office about possibly being able to sit in on on a subcommittee that I, I'm interested in, and being so, maybe even being a speaker.
1: That's more difficult. I'll just be honest with you. So I did that in 2012, not long after I was uh, picked as the military spouse of the year. And honestly, I think that was part of the reason I was picked to testify. I had had a relationship with these same staffers on the professional committee or professional staffers on the Armed, Senate Armed Services Committee already. I think that was the kind of thing that pushed me over the edge to actually testify um, but the the Senate's professional staffers and the chairman, generally speaking, are the individuals who actually pick the witnesses. So most of the time, I mean, you can certainly ask. You can go ask your congressman. You can you can go visit the Armed Services Committee yourself and say you want to. It's highly unlikely that they're necessarily going to pick you. Um, that's just kind of the way it is. But, for example, last week's Senate Armed Services Subcommittee meeting of the personnel subcommittee that was on the 14th of February, we talked about earlier in the podcast, that was open to the public. If you wanted to show up beforehand, you are quite welcome to get there and get a seat. Anybody can do that. Sometimes the rooms are packed and you can't get a seat because there's so many people in there. So you need to show up early if you want to do that. But those are open to the public. And, I mean, if you've ever watched C-SPAN, you see that they sometimes have people that hold up signs protesting. So they, generally speaking, let pretty much anybody in there. Um, So anybody who's in D.C. and interested in these topics, you can, in fact, visit any of these committees.
2: Oh. I've been to some of the hearings, Dave. They're fun. Yeah, they are fun. I, I, I I brought snacks. (laughs)
1: <laughs> they can be long. Is
2: there? They are long, Is so I brought snacks, and somebody gave me a dirty look, and I was like, look, dude, I'm here for the next four hours. I brought snacks.
0: <laughs> Is there a way to find out what committees are meeting, what subjects are being in Congress for whatever days you might be visiting D.C.?
1: Absolutely, Is there a, certainly. Any place yep. So both House and Senate Armed Services Committee Committees have websites where they put their hearing schedules out. Now, sometimes that may not happen more than a week or two in advance. So you kind of have to be on the ball. Pretty much every committee in the Congress does that nowadays. Um, And you can also, I'm pretty sure. So I have, for example, I've emailed the House Armed Services Committee and they will email you um, an update, maybe basically a week or two weeks in advance of what their hearing schedule looks like. And that's how I found out what's upcoming. And you know, then I, when I find out, I try to put it out on Facebook, especially if it's military family related.
0: Yeah, no, I get your, I get your invites and I usually put down interested, but I'm not going. And I, we don't expect you to,
2: come. We,
1: we, we think it's important that you're aware that the hearings taking place. Well, I'm glad you do that.
0: I am so glad you do that.
1: Well, I'm glad to. When we PCS, it's going to be interesting because uh, my goal is to, quote unquote, retire from kind of this work. And I'll be looking at trying to find a full time job as we transition to, to San Antonio. And it will just depend on where I work and what kind of job I can possibly get. That'll be it. I may be working at Home Depot. I may not be able to find much more than that. So, um, which would be fine um, at this point, I I'm think. I'm going back to San Diego too. Come work with me for the
0: auto auctions. Just drive cars. Right. That sounds like a I lot of fun, it. actually. It was. I got to work with Glenn Mixon. All right. That wasn't always that fun. No, he was.
1: He <laughs> cooks for you, right? That's not bad.
0: He did. You know what? It was really cool. Was, uh, I, I saw that he worked for an auto auction place and he was in San San Antonio. I don't know why. I thought he was living somewhere else. And I said, dude, uh, give me a job. And he said, get down here and fill out an application. And I said, right now? And he says, yeah, I went down there, filled out an application, handed me keys to a car. And he said, here, take this to that car. Light. You're hired.
1: <laughs> that's a lot easier than trying to find a federal job isn't it oh
0: shit I mean and the best part about it was it, was, it, it didn't pay anything I mean it was it was you know menial work for all intents and purposes sure. but you know what it was a lot better than Walmart greeter
1: well yes, and I think, for a lot of, I think for a lot of us guys finding work is important kind of keeps your sanity I do a lot of the quote-unquote quote, quote work I do in this space because it of me sane. It keeps me engaged. So I always tell other guys, you know, find something. You're, if you know, even if you're not working, try to find something you're passionate about um, and make a difference. Don't just sit at home and play video games all day. That'll, you'll go nuttier than
3: a fruitcake pretty fast.
4: If anything, well, go any down to a job
3: Anyway, right now, we got a hiring freeze going yeah. on, so you're not going to get a federal job.
1: Well, and that gives well, you a I good chance a to job. make a difference another way, right? Who
0: Nobody wants a federal job. Nobody really wants a federal job. You're working for the government. If the government completely fails, you're automatically out of job. Why do you want to work for something that that could fall apart next week?
1: Man, I tell you what. There's I've seen. Um, I, I feel. I hear you. At the same time, I've seen how bad it can be, and I think God. Surely I can make it. I, I know I'm just being optimistic. Do you think surely somebody can help turn that around? I think I think working yeah. the federal good, good people working in the federal government is very important. I
0: also have to remember to remind people that the military is not the federal government. The military <laughs> is paid by the federal government, but you know what? Nobody in their right mind wants to open their front doors and leave them wide open in the ghetto. Nobody. Absolutely nobody wants to do that. You will buy a new door if you need one. So why will they not pay the military so that we have a good, strong front door? It isn't going to happen. Military will not lose that kind of money where our soldiers our wives find themselves without a job. That is not going to happen. But you will find that the little business, or I'm sorry, not business, the little federal job that's down the street in Bakersfield, California, that supplies people to work for that county are not going to be able to send their welfare people to your ticket stand on your carnival, because that's the ordinance that they have to do, that the county provides this, that these people won't have a job to come in, sit down in front of your ticket box and then tell you, no, I am not gonna work faster than what you tell me to, because I works at my own pace. (laughs) We're gonna get rid of the idiots. We have to find a way to get rid of the idiots and make them find regular jobs at McDonald's flipping burgers for $15 an hour. Better than federal job. <laughs> I'm
1: not going to, I'm not I right. what's your, is there a question in there right.
0: somewhere? <laughs> no, no, there's no question in there anywhere. Um, <laughs> Jeremy. I I am I really 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 looking forward to meeting you in May in person. Shake your hand. Have a beer with you. Um, maybe uh, shake make make some uh, make some uh, changes to things. Do some little bit of shaking and moving. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. We got about five minutes left in the show. Uh, For five and five and a half minutes left in the show. Is there anything that you would like to talk about? that I haven't asked you about?
1: So the only thing that comes to mind, and I know it's a a boogaboo for a lot of people, um, there are other ways to provide input as a military family member that not a lot of folks know about. And I'm I'm not gonna suggest that they are the most effective or efficient ways possible, but this is one of the things you probably get invited to fairly regularly there are two federal advisory committees that report to the Secretary of Defense that I pretty much put the word out about on a periodic basis. One is the Military Family Readiness Council. They had a meeting last week, or maybe it was the week before, and the Defense Health Board, and I put a link to the, to the Facebook page where I put that information out.
2: The Military right, Family Readiness Council.
1: Yep, the Military Family Readiness Council is a federal advisory committee board who's tasked with actually taking input from the public and providing recommendations to the Secretary of Defense on military family issues. The meetings are open to the public. So, the, part of the problem is they're always held in the Pentagon, but anyone can attend that wants to. And anyone can, pro- even you, Dave, can provide written feedback via their email and i put it out on that that facebook page and it's not always and so for example this at this last meeting that meeting was packed i mean there was not a single seat they had to bring in extra seats for other military families i mean i was i was entirely impressed with the folks who showed up for that meeting and the other nice thing was we set a record um and this may sound small. But generally speaking, maybe two or three people provide feedback to the council before each meeting. For this last meeting, they had something like 66 submissions from military families. Now, from my point of view, that number ought to be, which is, that's the most that's ever happened, right? Um, And a lot of it relates to the fact that the council meeting was, in fact, on special needs. So it was an issue that I was able to to reach out to the grassroots because we have a lot of issues going on currently. And I think a lot of those, a lot of those submissions, which I haven't seen yet, I don't know what they all say, but a lot of those submissions were in fact related to EFMP type issues. But the next committee meeting, which is going to be late April is going to be related to education and military families. Well, there ought to be like a couple of thousand submissions, you know, to that council detailing the the issues military families face as they try to access education for their kids or for themselves, for that matter. The problem is nobody knows about this council. And why is that? Well, the cynical side of me says that's because DOD doesn't want you to know about it. Um, The only place they ever actually advertise is in what's called the federal register. Um, and nobody reads the Federal Register except geeks like me and some of my friends. Um, and, but it's there. And so what I try to do is take that Federal Register and create events on Facebook that people can share with other military families simply to make them aware that this council exists. And the, its purpose is to take public input from military families about the issues they're facing. A very similar uh, issue man. related to the similar I mean, issue that What's that? Go ahead.
0: I said that. the, made me the, the, what cost the
1: sixty-six <laughs> I think it probably did. And that's that's a that's a win for us. But the same thing is on the Defense Health Board. For example, it's one of its issues it's currently working on is pediatric health care. They are taking input right now and you can type into Google Defense Health Board and find their website and find the email that you need to. And I'll, I'll be happy to put it on the, on your Facebook page as well. You can find the email that you can send a written submission to this federal advisory board called the defense health board and provide them feedback. on what it's like is for you as a military family, trying to get healthcare for your kid. And we need lots and lots and lots of
0: people to do that. Do that. And we'll get back to it. I got to run a commercial real
4: quick and then we're out of time. Thanks, Dave. When I'm on base, I'm known as Staff Sergeant Cooper, but at home... Daddy! Daddy! I'm known as Dad, and I wouldn't have it any other way. We know home is at the heart of every military family. That's why we founded Armed Forces Insurance. To protect the property of our fellow servicemen and women, call 1-800-633-2006 for a no-obligation auto, home, or renter quote, or visit www.afi.org. At Armed Forces Insurance, our mission is you.
0: Jeremy, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um, all kinds, all kinds of information. Okay, look it up. Check out. We'll see you all next time. All
2: right, see you guys later.
5: The views and opinions expressed on Male Military Spouse Radio are not those of the management of MachoSpouse.com or any of their sponsors and shall be deemed just that, opinions and views.